Tip Today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. Your Peugeot car or van might benefit from a free software upgrade. For more information and to find out if this applies to your vehicle, call the lads in Slattery's Garage, puck on on 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Paul, and uh, welcome back to the second hour of uh, Tip Today. Listen around to say that lady, and that's making reference to Anne-Marie, is an inspiration to all of us, and I wish her the very best for the future. And all of this are saying, isn't she a great lady to take on her grandchildren at this stage of her life? A fair play to her, and I'm sure her daughter would be very proud, and so say all of us. Uh, a bit of housekeeping for you. just want to mention this because it's an excellent platform for songwriters and for artists. Uh, Whistle This is happening on uh, tomorrow night, this Friday night, November 18th, at the Monks Pub in Thurlis, and it features the band Bright Falls. It uh, features Mill Road, MJ the Saint, and the poet Larry O'Sullivan will be there, and all under the auspices of my great friend, uh, songwriter and guitarist uh, Tom Lyons. So it should be a fantastic night. Night. It's the Monks Pub in Thurlis tomorrow night. Whistle this and, uh, as I say, a great platform for artists in general. Now, you might remember we spoke to Clanmailman Andrew last a few months ago. He had driven at that point to Ukraine with essential supplies and he joined me in studio afterwards to uh, talk to me as well. Well, he is in Kiev in Ukraine as we speak and uh, we got a chance to chat to him now. Andrew, good morning to you. Good morning to you, Fran. Can you hear me okay? I can hear you fine, Andrew. Thank you. There may be a bit of a delay on the line, but it's great to hear your voice. Um, Tell me how things are there at uh, the moment, because we're hearing about uh, missile strikes uh, right around uh, Ukraine at the moment. Yeah, um, right now I'm sitting in my van. I'm sitting on a cup of coffee at the moment. It's minus two degrees here. Uh, air raid alarms are quite frequent here. Obviously, the news has been reporting, especially there uh, over the last few days, um, the missile strikes there in Lviv. I actually, uh, as I was entering uh, Ukraine, I came upon the missile strike in Lviv. Um, I didn't witness the actual uh, rocket strike itself, uh, but I had seen the aftermath of it. I kind of documented, taking a few photos, and uh, I was able to record a live video of it. Um, it was quite significant, obviously. It was on uh, an energy plant um, in the southern region of Lviv, and obviously simultaneously there, there was uh, there was multiple strikes uh, around the whole country of Ukraine. So obviously, look, you could play that. currently in Lviv at the moment, you know, life goes on, people are working, traffic is moving, uh, there is a curfew in place, um, curfew is from 11 o'clock at night until about 5 o'clock in the morning, so, um, you know, all residents and all um, all people within the country, unless you have permission to, to move outside of those hours with official documents, you, you must be at home. There, There is great concern, of course, as you say, it's very cold there even at the moment, but as we get more into winter, there may be a lack of uh, heat for people. I mean, how cold will it get there, Andrew? Uh, well, as I said, <laughs> Okay, we seem to have... It's going to be colder in, in other spots. 
of the of the country. But potentially, Fran, this could get to minus 30 degrees uh, plus in, in some areas of, uh, of Ukraine. Wow. So heating is obviously a great concern to people out there. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, unfortunately, what is happening now is you can see that the attacks are they're precise and precision attacks on critical Ukrainian infrastructure, um, things like heat, water, energy, food stores. Um, you know, this this is a calculated and a methodical strategy from the uh, from the Russian, Russian Federation. Yeah, because of course the hope there is that you will wear down the will of people, and that brings me to my next question, Andrew. Is by comparison to when you went out there first, how are people feeling about the war at this point? The Ukrainian spirit is indomitable, um, Fran. That's what I or what I can tell you. Um, you know, you've you've heard um, obviously maybe things from President Zelensky. Um, you know, I think I, I saw a news report there the other day. A journalist asked him, "What's next?" And he said, "Not Moscow. We're not interested in other people's territories. We are only interested in the deoccupation of our territory." Um, as I said on previous interviews with Japan, that these people are fighting for their homes, for their land, and for their families, and. Uh, they're, they just they just want their homes and their lives restored. There was great fear following the news of that missile explosion that killed two people in a Polish village just near the Ukrainian border, Andrew. And, you know, the great concern, of course, is a huge escalation of this because Poland is a, a, a NATO country. Now, as it turned out, um, seemingly it's highly probable it was fired by Ukrainian anti-aircraft defence but we're hearing from uh, Ukrainian President uh, Zelensky that he doesn't believe that What what is the talk among ordinary people there about that incident? To be honest again I, I try to always um, listen where I can from different things you know Media is great. It gives us information. The technologies that we use nowadays, we, we have free access to information. problem always with information is you're going to have good, bad, and indifferent information. And we need to have, obviously, um, proper due diligence and proper investigations into such serious incidents like that um, to, to ensure that no uh, rash uh, actions are taken as a result of it. Look, I'm not uh, militarily trained. Uh, I am quite uh, an intelligent guy, and I have, uh, you know, very good critical thinking factors. I'm looking at, at the map. So look at that general location there as to where that rocket actually landed. Uh, what was a, a Russian missile doing um, pointing towards Poland? It's getting far, very, very close to the Polish border. Uh, the target that was actually hit was... a. Uh, with grain, uh, grain storage, and um, you know Poland has been very, very um, active in providing, um, you know, some super assistance to the Ukrainian people, uh, assisting them obviously with uh, aid and, and weaponry, and uh, and also to uh, to help them with the, the problem with food stores. And unfortunately, things like energy, food, and uh, basic things like heating, they're being weaponized now against people. So, look, my personal opinion, as I said, is uh, I, I try not to judge too quickly. Uh, if it was uh, from a missile defence system, um, that means that the missile would have had to chase a Russian rocket. Um, so what was it doing pointing in the direction of Poland? That's my question. 
So again, I, I don't have a definitive answer for you, Fran, but my uh, suspicion is that it was either a direct hit or it was a, a stray missile from the Russian Federation. The it, it does go to show you, though, Andrew, that you know a miscalculation or a deliberate or whatever. But we are very close to a huge escalation of this. I mean, the concern the other night was was incredible. You know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was. I mean, like I was, I was having my 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 phone was blowing up uh, when I was recording the um, the Levit video there on the energy plant. Um, you could clearly see there were four uh, individual plumes of smoke that merged into one gigantic plume of smoke. And this was stretching, you know, hundreds of kilometres, this, this dark cloud uh, of, of basically burning fuel is what it was. From, uh, I had friends and families, get out now. And, you know, everybody was very, very reactive to, to the news. Again, I had no fear for my safety. Um, this is not my, my, my first time in Ukraine. It's not my first time in seeing such things. As I said, I was nowhere near the actual rocket strikes themselves. Um, but look, it, it is a concern for people. I appreciate people back home. But I, I think also that um, media and social media has a role to play in how reactive society has come to, you know, to, to news stories. And look, I'm here on the ground. I'm in Kyiv. I'm not in a frontline location. Kyiv is not frontline. Lviv is not frontline. There are no soldiers on the ground here, you know, in combat mm. with mm. each other. Um, there are missile strikes coming from, you know, from miles away, whether it's from Belarusian territory, Black Sea, um, you know, from a Russian fleet, or if it's coming from uh, from Russia itself. The last time you and I spoke, we spoke about your father-in-law. Um, is he safe now? Yes, he is, Fran. He's, uh, he's safe. He's in Ireland. Um, he's, uh, his health has been up and down, uh, but he is definitely on the, the right road. And obviously there are no such fears of, of missile strikes in, in Ireland, thank goodness. And, um, yeah, look, he's safe. He's with his daughter. And, you know, there's, there's, there's no more really that anyone can really say about that. He, he's not going to go back to Lugansk again. I can... And I can assure you that I will fight on my back to make sure that doesn't happen. But uh, most people who have to escape from frontline areas or occupied territory, they're in general uh, in in, um, in greater fear for their lives. Um, in the initial stages of the war, you are the invasion. You would have had a um, a large majority of people coming from Kiev, and that's because the the Russian army was outside the city of Kiev mm. trying to breach the city. Obviously, Kherson was was captured as well. That's a major Ukrainian city, and thankfully now the the city and the region of Kherson has been uh, has been retaken by the Ukrainian armed forces, which is um, obviously a tremendous victory for the Ukrainians. Uh, what I can say really about the Kherson um, region is that. Ukrainians are not resting on their laurels, but they have to be methodical in how they approach. They're fully aware that there could be traps laid. Mm. They obviously have to investigate such things like mass graves and uh, and war crimes. And, and Ukrainians are doing the best that they can, and they're doing everything as, as they should. Right, but they're probably digging in for what will be a very cold and difficult winter, I suppose. Uh, without a doubt, I mean, Ukrainian winter has always been hard. Um, you know, even 
in normal circumstances. Uh, I do remember back in 2015, I was married in Kiev, and I remember going to sleep one night, but before I did, looked out the window, just started snowing. We think uh, a little snack there in Ireland, and, and we might get uh, five centimetres in the morning. There's no school, no work, and things like that. So when I woke up the, the following morning, there was uh, about two metres of snow, so it was covering cards. And uh, what you see is... Uh, all shops will be open, you know, cars will move very, very slowly. Shopkeepers will uh, shovel the snow away from their drive, same with uh, homeowners and apartment owners. So life goes on, you know, even though, um, yes, the winter will be hard, it's going to be even more so uh, difficult for Ukrainian people because of the disruptions in power and the disruptions in heating and even phone signals ran is quite uh, it's quite fragile here sometimes, and, and this is in Kiev. This is in, in a city. You must imagine then what it's like actually in frontline locations, such as uh, Bakhmut right now, um, Donetsk, Lugansk, um, uh, Melitopol, Zaporizhia. These are places now that uh, you know are, are in conflict that uh, the Ukrainians are trying to retake back their territory. What exactly are you doing there at the moment, Andrew? Yes, so right now, Fran, I am, uh, well, yesterday I um, completed one of my missions there, which was to meet uh, a lady called Marina and her family and to be able to drop aid um, to them. So effectively what I did was uh, I was, again, back home, great um, support that I've had from local businesses and, and just community members who were absolutely fantastic. I filled up my van with as, as much stuff as I possibly could, a bit of a variety of everything, and uh, thankfully I was able to make my way then to to Kiev two nights ago. Um, I was a bit late in, in getting in there, it was about one o'clock in the morning, but um, the following day and yesterday I was able to, uh, to meet with Marina, her family, and I hope to meet with them again today. What she and her family do is basically they're volunteers. Um, they are amazing people. What they have been doing since the start of the conflict is delivering aid packages to people uh, in these liberated uh, villages and towns further east or southeast of, uh, of their location in Kiev. And, uh, yeah, effectively what would happen when they do that is they would discover, obviously, some of the atrocities that have happened. In certain uh, situations, they would have discovered uh, people, many people, in basements. And unfortunately, the real victims of war here are children who, unfortunately, have been orphaned um, by the, the, the atrocities that have been committed by the Russian Federation. What they would have done is they would have taken those kids back to a safe location, i.e. their home, and they would have given them care for, for as long as they possibly could. They've notified the Ukrainian health authorities and they pass those children on then to the necessary health children or health authorities, I should say, to, to take care of those children. Uh, they won't have documents. Some of those kids, they mightn't even you know be able to speak, so they can't even identify them. So it's, it's quite, uh, you know, it's quite a devastating um obviously for a family to, to have to experience but what I can say about Marina and, and her family they are absolutely amazing people um, for what they're doing and uh, yeah I'm, I'm so happy that I was able to provide them with a little bit of aid I received um, I received support um, from a number of businesses one particular business was uh, 
family controls and, and also EMS controls and Paul Fahey and Evan Fahey, um, Kevin Dundon, Nick Breen, John Cremens, uh, Kevin Corbett, all the guys there, uh, I can't thank you enough, they donated two brand new generators and one of those generators I was able to give to uh, Marina and her family to be able to just provide basic things like heat and, uh, not heat, excuse me, but lighting mm. and um, and cooking so they can run an electric cooker off the, um, off the generator. So uh, a huge thank you to, to Paul, to Evan and to the rest of the gang in Hanley's and, and to EMS. Um, it has gone to good use. I have documented evidence of it that I'll be posting up online later, but... Um, they were so appreciative and, and uh, I was happy to, um, to to be of assistance. Well, Andrew, it's always good to talk to you. Do be safe. When can we expect you home? Uh, indefinitely. A bit of fun. I will be home for Christmas. I yeah. made a promise to my boy Alexander that I, I will be, as Chris Rhea said, I'll be driving home for Christmas. <laughs> but um, I, I have a lot of work to do yet. Um, I am going uh, further east. Um, so I have another um, mission today to a school for children with uh, with special needs and it's my intention to drive to there today to see exactly what I can uh, can do for them and give them and once I do that I will be uh, I'll be heading east then to uh, to help with uh, training um, so I'll be training civilians and I'll also be training members of the territorial defense and the military in tactical medicine and just basic life-saving skills well, we wish you the very, very best. I hope you'll drop into us if you get time when when you come back, uh, Andrew, because we'd love to chat to you and uh, stay up to date on what's happening. Um, be safe and thanks for coming on with me this morning, Andrew. Thank you. I really appreciate it, Fran. As always, you've been so good and so supportive of, of, of myself on the missions over here and, and I just want to say thank you very much to that. Fran, if I could just finish further by saying um, I just want to pay my respects to um, Pierre uh, Zakharsky and to Rory Mason. Uh, they are two Irish citizens who lost their lives here in Ukraine. Uh, Pierre was a, um, he is a, a, a war cameraman, basically. Mm. His job was to be in the front line to document the truth. And unfortunately, he lost his life uh, earlier this year. And Rory Mason um, was a, an Irish soldier. And again, he was fighting for freedom. And I just wanted to pay tribute to those um, two two men and uh, to say that, um, you know, there's nothing stronger than the heart of a volunteer. And I, and I just wanted the people um, associated with, with Pierre and with um, Rory that they haven't been forgotten out here. Thanks, Andrew, and uh, good morning to you. That's Andrew Last, uh, live from Kiev uh, today and uh, doing tremendous work in fairness to him, absolutely tremendous, and we wish him uh, a safe journey and we look forward to chatting to him when he comes home for Christmas. 1800-938-007. Don't forget Match 3, just after 11. If you want to play Match 3, will you register with us, please? 83 Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecone, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecone, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie